Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. It is amazing to be here this morning. Praise God, you guys look great. I can't tell you how pathetic it is to be in quarantine. And uh, Julie and I have been uh, safely quarantined in our house for about the last three and a half weeks. And um, she is really would love to be here this morning. She is beyond the time that CDC uh, recommends that you stay quarantined after symptoms set in, but she did test positive. And so we're going to give that another week or so to make sure that she's clear of the virus. Um, but uh, Greg Davis, the same story, and um, they're all dying to be back. But I want to thank our staff in my absence. I want to thank uh, Jonathan Aguilar. Jonathan, give Jonathan a round of applause. I want to thank Phil Bixby. Phil! My good friend Al Fernandez for preaching last week. And uh, I just want to tell you, thank you for praying for us. Uh, we could feel that. Uh, we're grateful we never got seriously ill. Um, it, the symptoms were real but mild, and so we're grateful we never got seriously ill, and uh, I did test negative this week, and it's just a thrill to be back here with you today. Um, it's, it's amazing, and uh, we're just we're thrilled that we can be with you. Uh, I want to let you know that we are praying towards a return of children's ministry, children's worship, so uh, that's we're talking to parents about that, but we're really excited about bringing that back, and thank you, children, uh, for being here today and uh, for being a part of our worship. Um, but boy, these days can be discouraging, can't they? They can really be discouraging. They can be tough days. And I know that uh, we're coming up, uh, Cruz family on the Dorian anniversary, uh, just in a couple days. And uh, thrilled that you all are here today and praying with you as you process through, you know, what happened a year ago, September 1, uh, in the Bahamas. So, um, a lot going on when you think about COVID. We can get discouraged. We can get upset. We can think, oh my goodness, how long is this going to last? It's not really just about being fearful about getting the virus, but it's also, it's also about the economic challenges. It's also about the, the challenges of distance learning. It's also about the challenges of not being in class. It's about your business might close. How is this all going to work? How am I going to be in school and not be in school? There's a lot going on right now. We need to lean into who Jesus is in these days. We need to focus on what he's expecting in these days because there's a lot to trip us up right now. Uh, while we were sick, Julie and I watched some good movies, amen? I mean, that's a good thing to do, right? Um, one of the movies we watched was, uh, was Sully. Have you, have you seen Sully? It's uh, several years ago. Tom Hanks, Captain Sullenberger, and how they, um, how they land a plane. They take off from LaGuardia. The bird strikes happen, the engines go out, and the plane starts to lose altitude, and, and Sullenberger figures out how to land the plane on the East River, which is stunning, 155 passengers, and I love the commitment of the captain there. He doesn't go, oh my goodness, the, the engines are out, I guess we're all going to die, I guess we'll quit now, I guess we'll stop worrying and we'll, we'll stop focusing on our task. No, he committed to the very end. He lands that plane, and he stays engaged, and he made sure that he does his job, which is to bring everyone home safe. 
He refuses to meet with the mayor. He refuses to, to give way to someone else leading the effort to account for everyone until he knows all 155 people are safe. That's commitment. That's staying true to the task, even though the task is very difficult. And I wonder today if some of the things happening in our country have got some of us discouraged, off track, maybe lost focus on our goal as followers of Jesus, which is to help as many people as possible to get home safely, to get all the way home to heaven safely. There's so many things to distract us right now in our culture from that goal. You think about what's happening in our nation regarding race right now. And I hate it when people feel threatened. I hate that feeling. I hate it that people sense that. And people are getting all um, concerned and, and saying things that probably may not even be right or true, certainly not loving. But when you think of what's happening in our country regarding race, are we acting lovingly towards one another? toward our brothers and sisters of whatever color, toward the first responders and police officers? Are we responding the way Jesus would respond? Or are we getting distracted and maybe discouraged and maybe even disillusioned? We just finished two weeks of political party conventions. And if you watch them, you may have a hard time saying, I don't know who to vote for. I don't know who to support. I don't know really what to do. I'm just discouraged. Listen, listen. In the political season, in our nation, we need to focus on who Jesus is. And we need to vote according to what he would say. Be careful about choosing a candidate based on, or a party based on who you like or don't like. Rather, you need to look at the issues as the Bible lays them out. And I want to encourage you in three areas before we move on to the text. It's so important today. If you want to think about what matters and how you're voting today, Think about this, there's 62 million abortions in the United States since Roe versus Wade. You can't ignore that. Think about the, the family. See, we as a church are always going to stand for life. We're always going to stand for the family. We're always going to stand for religious liberty. At least when you go to vote, think about those things. It's so important. And as you are interacting, I want to encourage you to act, interact with people in love. You don't know their background. You don't know what they're going through. But you need to say, God, I want to love people as you did. I don't want to get distracted, discouraged, and disillusioned because of what's going on. I want to focus on you, Jesus, because there's nothing more important, nothing, than helping people find their way all the way home to heaven. See, we want to be a church that does what? That is filled with the spirit of Jesus pursuing the mission of Jesus. That's what we need to be. I believe the time is short, y'all. I just got to tell you, I believe the time is short, and it is critical that we are focused on who Jesus is and what he wants to accomplish. We are loving Jesus, loving people. Well, this morning, as Julie introduced, we're looking at John 21. And we're in a series called Compelled by Love because we need to be thinking about, okay, why do I do what I do? Do I do it out of duty? Do I do it because someone has told me to do it? Or someone I like has told me to do it? Or do I do it? Do I live my life compelled, or as Paul said, even controlled by the love of Jesus? I'm doing it because I love him. 
And today we look at the love of Jesus, the love that restores me. Let me just ask you, are you feeling a little bit distant today? may not be in your whole life, but maybe just because of the struggles of what's been going on, because of the, the difficulties of these days, the strangeness of these days, that maybe you're feeling just a little bit disillusioned and distant from Jesus. I want to encourage you today. He's in pursuit of you. I have good news. He is in pursuit of you because he wants you to be close to him. And to know him intimately and to be encouraged by him. So that's where we're going today. John chapter 21. If you have your Bible, please get it out. Love for you to open God's word in your tablet, your uh, smartphone, a real Bible with real pages. It looks like this. Don't know if anybody's ever seen these. They found these recently in the caves uh, out there by the Dead Sea Scrolls. No, these are, this is, uh, I do use an uh, electronic version a lot of the time because when you're old, you don't have to use glasses. It's great, but... Uh, I like to open God's word on Sunday morning. John chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, says this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now let's set the tone. Where are we? John chapter 21. We're on the Sea of Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee. We're about 80 miles north of Jerusalem. Jesus Christ had called these men three years earlier, them and five others. They had lived three years following Jesus. He'd gotten to the point where he willingly allowed himself to be embarrassed, tortured, crucified, buried. But then he rose from the grave. And in that time, his disciples had gotten to know him. And during that process of being embarrassed and tortured and crucified, a man named Peter, the first one listed here, had denied even knowing him. He denied knowing Jesus Christ. He had let himself get distanced from him. John chapter 18 describes how Peter was found. He, he followed along at a distance. Jesus is inside being tried. Peter is out warming his hands by a fire. And someone asked him, you know, are you a follower? I think you're from Galilee. I think you look like him. I think you talk like him. I think you have the same accent as people from Galilean area. No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. Peter got distant. Oh, if you're distant today, recognize that Jesus has come for you. He was distant from him, and he also spoke words against Jesus. I don't know him. He even cursed. I don't know him. See, we can be distant from Jesus Maybe still in contact. Maybe we can still even go to church. Maybe we're still even watching a worship service, but we're not close to him walking step by step with him. And when you're distant from Jesus, your words begin to deny him. You say things 
that would indicate you don't know him. And thirdly, what Peter is doing here on the Sea of Galilee, chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, it says that this is the third time that Jesus had met with them. The third time. And in the two previous meetings, we see Jesus enter the room and we see Jesus eating with his disciples and they're amazed that he's alive and it proves that he is alive bodily. But Thomas says, you know, Jesus, I, I, I wasn't there. He says to his friends, the disciples come and tell Thomas who was out that day, sick, I don't know what, uh, had to go to the DMV, something. Um, uh, maybe. So Thomas says, I got to see him in person. I, I, don't, I don't know I can't believe he's risen until I see him in person. And Jesus loves Thomas enough to show up again. Thomas, I'm here for you. I want you to know I rose from the dead. Touch my hands. Put your finger in my side. It's me, Thomas. It's me. So Jesus is there to help restore his disciples. But Peter never says anything to Jesus about needing to be restored. He never says, Jesus... I'm so sorry, I denied you, and I know that you know that, Jesus, I I got distant from you, I spoke words against you, I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? No, he's just there. He's just there. And you're like, Peter, what are you doing? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you got disillusioned with Jesus over an event, even over the last six months or so during these crazy times. And you're still close enough to hear from him, but you never have said, Jesus, I need to repent. I I need to be restored because I've, I've said things that indicate I don't know you. I've done things that make it look like I'm denying you. Jesus, would you restore me? Would you forgive? Peter never does that. You see, that's not how we are. But it is how Jesus is comes after you. He comes after you. And I need you to know, if you're here present today or if you're watching online and you're listening to this message, you're studying this word of God together, I can tell you that Jesus has come for you. He has come for you. All the way to Galilee, he's come for you. So here's Peter on the shore. He's got his buddies. and He goes, hey, look, guys, I don't know what else we're going to do. I got my 23-foot open fisherman right here. Let's head out. Let's see if we can get some mahi, right? I mean, that's, that's what he's saying probably, right? That's what we would say. Uh, or maybe more likely, is let's get my little kayak and let's go out there and let's see what we can catch. Um, Peter probably still had a 26-foot fishing boat, honestly. Let's go fishing. You get in the boat, they go fishing, nothing happens. It's almost like Peter saying, I'm going back to my old life. I don't know what those three years were about. Maybe it's just an aberration. Maybe I don't know what Jesus is going to do next, but for now, I'm going fishing. He catches nothing. Always be aware when we go back to our old lives. We're not successful. It might just be Jesus starting to pull us back. Starting to pull us back. So they go fishing. They catch nothing. They come back in. They got nothing. And who's on the shore? He's on the shore. Jesus is standing there on the shore. Hey, guys, you catch anything? Seems like he's just some guy. But John recognizes him. He says, it's the Lord. 
It's the Lord. It's Jesus. He's asking you, did we catch anything? And, and he says, throw your nets out on the other side. And they catch this incredible catch. See, Jesus cares enough to remind them of who he is. Resurrected Jesus still has the same power to do the same miracles as he had before he was crucified. Let me ask you, maybe you're someone who was saved years and years ago, and you felt the innocence of being forgiven. And you remember what that was like, and and you felt that uh, Jesus had forgiven you of your sins as you repented and you were baptized and you had this incredible time. But since then, maybe you've wondered, can he still forgive me for what I've done since then? Can he still forgive me today? See, Jesus is demonstrating to his disciples, I still love you. I'm the same guy that called you three years ago. What an act of love to pursue us, to tell us, I'm still here. I still have a plan. I still have the power. So they recognize, and Peter comes ashore. Jesus is already fixing them, fixing them breakfast. And so Jesus makes them breakfast. They get to eat breakfast with Jesus, which had to be an incredible experience, on the beach in Galilee. I so wish we could have fires on the beach, don't you? So we could do this. We could go out there on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning and grill up some, you know, some fish and, and have some bagels that we got. And I'm getting hungry thinking about it, you know. But I can't you imagine sitting, sitting next to Jesus, looking at the charcoal fire, and you're eating. See, what Jesus is doing, he's saying, I, not only do I still have the power, but I still want to meet your need. I still want to meet your need. I still want to care for your basic. Remember when Jesus washed their feet? Demonstrating how he wanted to serve them. So if you're distant from him today, he still has the power to forgive and bring you back. He still cares for you. He still wants you to be in right relationship with him. He wants to meet the needs. So there's, there's never this sense that Jesus is about to put the hammer down on Peter, you know? There's always this sense of pursuit, demonstration of power, demonstration of wanting to meet their needs. And now he's about to process with Peter what has happened. See, Jesus doesn't just go on with life. He doesn't just leave Peter out there distant from him. He says, I want to process with you what has happened. Verse 15, we pick up the text. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs, said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now to us, this seems kind of annoying, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Ever somebody do that to you? Do you love me? Do you love me? That that sounds kind of childish almost, right? Uh, don't you love the meal that I just made? Yes, I just told you. Don't you just love the fact that I washed the... Yes, I love... Yeah, it's great. Do I, do you, he, that's not what he's doing, though, is it? 
See, Jesus doesn't need for you to love him, but he knows that you need to love him. See, Jesus doesn't need for you to tell him that he needs for you. He knows that you need to love him. Some have said, you know, this is the story, this is different words for love. And if you know your Greek, you know that there's different words for love here. Uh, and that could be, but that's really not the point. The point here is that Jesus is processing Peter's denial with him. See, God doesn't just expect us to go on. He wants to go back and process the failure and process how we have reacted badly towards him. And he walks Peter through that. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, for every time you've denied me, I want you to replace that denial with love. You see, love is the opposite of sin. Love is the opposite of denial. Love is the opposite of distance. Peter, do you love me? I know that you failed me. I know that you said you didn't know me. I know that you said that we weren't even close. You denied me. But Peter, do you love me? See, what did Jesus say was the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It always come back to the question of Peter, Steve, Mike, Jonathan, Robert, do you love me? Do you love me? Even in the midst of your disillusionment, Peter, even in the midst of the fact that you don't understand why I, the king of the world, the king of the universe, would allow myself to be arrested. Peter, do you love me? Even though God has allowed circumstances in your life where relationships aren't what you wish, you, you can never believe you're in a relationship situation that you're in. Or you can't believe you're in a, a, a job situation that you're in. Or you can't believe how hard life has been lately. You can't believe how disillusioned you've been lately. Let me just ask you, can you love Jesus in the midst of that see that's the question because often we say Jesus I, I thought you were going to take care of everything for me I, I thought as Peter would have thought that I was going to be a key leader in your administration I, I thought I was going to be vice president or secretary of state I thought but Jesus now you're just being led away Jesus, I thought everything was going to be great in my life, in my family. I thought everything was going to be great in my community. I thought I was going to do well in my career, but it hasn't worked out, and it's tough, and it's hard. Jesus, I never thought I'd get the virus. I never thought a friend of mine would die with the virus. I never thought any of these things would happen. These things, if we're not careful, can cause us to step back from him. But he pursues and he comes and gets us. And he demonstrates his power. And he demonstrates his love for us. And he looks us in the eye across the fire after feeding us breakfast. And he says, Steve, do you love me? See, to love him is to embrace all of who he is in every circumstance. Steve, do you love me with your relationship? Steve, do you love me with your future? Do you love me with your health? Do you love me with your nation and your politics? Do you love me? Or is it really just all about your comfort? The beautiful thing about this is he does it once for every time that Peter denied. 
which is instructive of understand every time you sin, it's so important we come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've sinned. I've acted as one who didn't love you, but I love you. That's a picture of repentance. It's a picture of repentance, and it's the opportunity of restoration. And it's clear that because Peter says, yes, Jesus says, I have a job for you. I have a key role. I want you to feed my sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I want you to take care of my flock. I got a role for you. And Peter had an incredible role. Wrote books of the Bible. Early founder of the church. But I have to tell you, if Peter had said no or had failed to answer in the affirmative, he would have missed it. He would have missed it. He wouldn't have been in on Jesus' plan. He would have missed all that Jesus wanted to do through him. Just know this, when we say, no, I don't love you, or I'm struggling to love you, Jesus, we're saying no to what he wants to do in our lives. I have to tell you, I believe, I'm convinced he wants to do amazing things through each one of you. I believe that as, a, that as a, uh, an era in time, I think it's very possible that Jesus is about to lead a major revival. I just need to tell you that. We're right at the place where people are, what's next? What's going to happen next? I believe it's time. I don't want to be on the sidelines saying, oh, I don't know, Jesus, I'm kind of disillusioned about what's happening, or I'm really sad, or I'm really upset, I'm mad about this. Listen, focus on loving Jesus, and he will put you in his plan, and you'll get to feed his sheep, and you'll get to take care of people that he's going to bring to him in a powerful way. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Do you love me? See, the answer to that question is the difference. It's the difference between being used by Jesus and denial. When you can't say, I love you, Jesus, in any area of your life, you are denying him. And you're putting distance between yourself and him. He's pursued. He wants to restore. Will you say, yes, I love you, Jesus? Think about your, areas of, your area of deepest pain. Can you love him there? Can you love him there? I want to urge you, take some time today, even before you take your Sunday afternoon nap, which I recommend. Go to the area of your deepest pain. What's your biggest fear? What's your biggest disillusionment? What thing bothers you the most? What are you most worried about? What are you hurting over? And answer the question. Look in the eyes of Jesus across the fire and say, Jesus, I love you even if this still hurts. I love you even if this doesn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. Can you love him? That's restoration. Let him restore you, but he will never force himself on you, to restore you against your will. It's all about simply saying to Jesus, I love you. Today, respond to his pursuit of you by saying, I love you. Some of you may say, you know, Steve, I've known about Jesus my whole life. I've known about God. I felt like he's loved me. But I don't know if I've ever said that I loved him. 
I don't know if I've ever honestly said, Jesus, I love you. See, to do that, you will have have to had that encounter with him where you say, yes, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I want you to save me so that I can know that forgiveness. Today, would you make that commitment? If you never have before, Jesus, I want to love you. I want to be forgiven. I want to be in on your plan in my life. The close of this chapter, the close of this section is beautiful. And, And if you don't understand the context, you kind of miss it. Verse 18 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, he said, follow me. You say, well, that seems kind of odd. And I'm kind of discouraged by that. You mean he's going to be martyred? Yes. Here's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, you bragged that you would never leave me. You bragged that you would die with me. And then you failed miserably. When you had the opportunity to die with me, you denied me. But guess what? You've been restored, and you're going to have that opportunity, Peter. There's going to be a time when you will die for me. You say, well, that sounds awful. No, it doesn't, actually. This is what Peter wanted. He's saying, Peter, you are going to be an incredible follower of mine who can walk to the cross and follow me and do just exactly like I did. And here's the message. If you will allow Jesus to restore you by saying, yes, Jesus, I love you, you're on the team. You're on the team to the extent that you can accomplish exactly what Jesus wants you to accomplish in amazing ways. That should be incredibly encouraging. You may say, well, it's been so long. I've been so long. Listen, I don't think you denied actually Jesus like Peter did. And Jesus put him back on the team. Wherever you've been, whatever has happened, he wants to draw. He says, listen, you're on my team. You're going to be on the kingdom. You're going to do important things. I want you to be encouraged today. Jesus asks you, do you love him at your deepest, most painful area of your life? Would you love him today? Let's pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.